Hello, and welcome to another exciting episode of Movie Remake Time with us at the Filmmaker's Compass podcast. He is D-Man, I am CP, and this week we are talking about two of our very favorite movies of all time. D-Man, what are we watching? Well, I'm really excited because it's actually a uh, great direct-to-direct uh, competition. So, you know, a lot of these movie remakes, things like that, what's fascinating is, a lot, you know, movie remakes tend to get a bad rap. Yeah. So often, you know, even if you put them head to head, right, you know, if we were to do original Ghostbusters versus, you know, the one from like four years ago, which we will be doing. Yeah. You know, I think we know which way we're going to go. And even though it's fun to compare things, even when it's so obvious today, we are really excited because it is not so obvious. We are par- we are pitting Terminator 1 versus Terminator 2. And for that, I am super excited because I know we both feel strongly about each movie in certain respects. So it should be a lot of fun. No, absolutely. And yeah, so these were movies that we didn't live tweet when we watched, but I had a lot of fun watching them again. I, I always do. It's hard not to like either of the Terminators, but I guess what we'll spend this episode trying to decide is which one we like better. You're ready. I'll throw it over to you. Let's go ahead and uh, jump off the discussion with which one do you think had more cultural realm? All right. I think that's a tough question to really tackle. And I think the first thing that blew me away is, and for our listeners who were with us from the very beginning, blew me away rewatching Terminator 1 and how that entire film is really shot within like a two block radius of where we actually used to record the podcast. I know. Well, it's Broadway in downtown LA, right? Broadway, Pico, Seven, like all this stuff where I'm like, uh, I'm pretty sure we like walked right by that location to get lunch after recording many times. I think we also walked by there one time at like midnight, which I don't know if that was smart. (laughs) (laughs) The point is, obviously, the first Terminator movie set in like, I think has had a huge impact in terms of the concept of just like robots in general and filmmaking involving cyborgs and androids. Like in this day and age, you can't address those movies without some way referencing and acknowledging Terminator 1984. The other really exciting thing about it though, is I think Terminator has been incredibly impactful when you look at films involving time travel. Yeah, so yeah. much so I that I there's even that, that episode of, um, if you remember back in the day of South Park, where they actually reference whether the time travel rules follow back to the future time travel rules or time, uh, or Terminator time travel rules. 30 years later, like the first Terminator movie is still relevant. Well, and it's funny you say that because Terminator didn't actually get a name drop in Avengers Endgame. But I mean, I guarantee you the writers and the directors of Avengers Endgame had to consider Terminator and how its time travel rules exactly. work. Because again, it's funny they they actually name drop movies in Avengers Endgame because what they're really doing is acknowledging that like time travel can work many different ways. You know, Terminator's one where it's a lot of fun because these people come back with knowledge of the future. And in Terminator 1 specifically, we actually are treated to some of, uh, what's his name's memories. So it was really good. I actually and, enjoyed it. And, and to my knowledge, it's also the first movie really playing with that concept of the the grandfather paradox that they always talk about in time travel. Yeah, and right? I mean, Cameron is like, hey, let's make a movie about this. And I think that's always, you know, that just goes to show the implications of it down the line. And I thought, yeah, I thought that worked really well. Um, as far as just being culturally relevant, um, you know, I think one of the biggest things that stands out is, you know, before this movie, Arnold was known primarily, you know, for uh, like his muscles and, and, um, I think it was, what is it, Mr. Olympia 
competition. Mm-hmm. Is that what it is? Yeah. Yep. You know, he, he was Mr. Olympia. After this, he was known as the Terminator. Yeah. You know, so that was the big thing. The other thing that has to be no, right when he ran for governor, he was the governor referencing this. Right. Movie. Yeah. Like, you know, totally. And this also, I mean, it cannot be understated, but the Terminator was the jumping off point for James Cameron, who also has some of the biggest blockbusters of all time. I think I think he just actually did a master class. You know, he's teaching yeah. filmmaking now. He's a filmmaker or a filmmaking teacher. So maybe we can yeah. get him on this podcast. Oh my God, but, how awesome would that be? <laughs> uh, we should try to get him on for this episode. And like, hey, break down Terminator 1, Terminator 2 for us. And whatever you decide, James Cameron, that's what we'll go with. No, it's, I mean, like, you know, there's a famous story with him before Terminator where, you know, he was like a truck driver and he saw Star Wars and he was super inspired to become a filmmaker. And then he goes on to, I guess, have a dream about being chased by a cyborg or something. And that led to the evolution of what became Terminator. Obviously, um, there's a lot of iconic moments in this movie when the Terminator shows up at the police station. Uh, it's incredibly quotable, you know, I'll be back, you know, which is honestly, I guarantee you, I'll be back to probably, you know, one of the most quotable movie lines. Even though Terminator 2 goes on to do things basically bigger and better. And I think the number one thing that stands out in the second one, um, the second one pushed boundaries for digital effects. And you and I talked about this because we actually did an episode of Total Rewind on on Terminator 2 a while back. So if you want to get our full breakdown on what our thoughts were on the effects, you can go back there. But it's worth noting from a culturally relevant standpoint, just how far Terminator 2 pushed those boundaries. And I think Terminator 2 was also the inspiration for uh, eventually Jurassic Park and George Lucas saw Jurassic Park and felt confident to make the prequel trilogy. So, I mean, it was really a kicking off point for digital effects that people were like, wow, you can actually do this. Um, And then it's almost hard to top one, but Terminator 2 might be even more quotable. Well, it might be. I think the last thing, just going back to the, in terms of if we're looking at impact, I mean, obviously the first Terminator movie has now successfully spawned six sequels and a television series. So I would, in that fact alone, I would consider it an incredibly important pop culture film and for the history of cinema and television and, you know, entertainment in general. Yeah. And then they just have other fun references like that real ominous, eerie, uh, undertone score. But then it's amped up with that really kind of like 80s tech music. Yeah. Which is awesome. Where the second one leans more into the eerie, ominous undertones. Yeah. The first one has those like really loud, like screech sounds, you know, like, and it's going all over the place. I kind of, I really like that and then of course i'm a big fan you know if i'm ever doing some sort of like i don't know comic book or something you know i'm gonna put something in there called like tech noir <laughs> have to yeah i love you know i mean i don't yeah. know about everybody that's listening to this podcast right now but you know i'm a huge 80s fan i love to go out to the 80s bar and tech noir literally seems like the sci-fi personification of a place i would want to go to <laughs> so absolutely yeah i mean there's just like t- it, you really cannot understate just how culturally relevant the terminator one and terminator two movies are i mean it's shocking to the degree that like you said there's actually an entire franchise built around this but the best ones still are one and two exactly Exactly. 
Uh, it's not even close, if you no, ask me. I mean, you're totally right. I mean, we now that we've established that this thing is relevant and, and you know matters 30, 40 years later, what about the effects? Do they hold up? So this one's actually tough for me because I would say that Terminator 1's effects do not. They, they don't hold up in this kind of, if you were to just watch it, they look dated. Um, some of them are still good. Some of them are still amazing. Like, you know, when Arnold is back at like the hotel room and he's fixing his eye. Oh God, I hate that whole sequence. To me, they feel dated. And the, I think the exact opposite is true when you look at the effects in Terminator 2. I think obviously the digital effects were pushing boundaries at the time, but shockingly, that metal guy still looks and feels just as powerful today as it did when it released. That that has aged remarkably well. Oh, I think it's it, it is really mind blowing when you watch Terminator Two. It 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 could have been made you know last year, and you honestly wouldn't know the difference. I think the other thing that, in my opinion, dates the first one a little more than the second one is just the fact that the first one is really set in the eighties. Right. Yeah. To the fact that he's going to the phone booth and ripping out pages and stuff like that, where I think, you know, when I watch Terminator with my kids, are they even really going to understand what's going on in a sequence like that? Oh, man, it's it's crazy you say that because it's like, you know, just a tiny little side conversation. But it always gets me thinking when I watch these old movies and you're like, how many things from the past? will like my kids, they'll be like, what is that? You're like, yeah. well, back in the day, uh, we didn't have digital phone numbers. So like you literally had to go look someone up in a book. Crazy. We didn't have Google Maps. We didn't have Google. You had to go. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, I think the other thing too is right when you watch Terminator 1, just you can tell that all the effects are kind of in their uh, the first attempt. The lightning doesn't look as good in Terminator 2. The time travel sequence where they drop out of space time doesn't look as exciting as it does in Terminator 2. I mean, the Terminator itself, when it's just the the uh, endoskeleton at the end, looks yeah. really bad. And, and it's, it's so weird. And I think Cameron's very aware of this because almost every effect that he does in the first Terminator, he does again in the second one, even to the point that the battle sequences from the future has right. the same vehicles, the same ships, the same type of soldiers, but it all just looks a lot better. It's like he said, all right, now that we have the budget and the technology, let's do what I always wanted to do. Well, and it's funny you bring that up because that's actually actually something that I referenced on last week's movie remake time. And I feel now is the appropriate time to bring it up, which is Terminator 2 is not a remake of Terminator 1 per se. But if you actually listen to quotes from Cameron, he basically discusses that, you know, he made Terminator 1 on a really small budget. I think you looked it up and said it was in the range of like six or seven million dollars. It's like 6.5. And then he went on to make Terminator 2. And after the success of 1, the studio greenlit a budget of like 100 million plus. And so even though Terminator 2 is not a remake of 1, it is kind of the vision that James Cameron always had for one, but was unable to make due to budget constraints. So it's, it's interesting if you actually look at most of the plot of the movies, they're very, very similar in a way. You know, they're, they're chase scenes. Obviously, they're different movies, but the vehicle that pushes them forward is still two things come back in time to try to kill one thing and stop, you know, a certain version of the future from happening. It's the exact same story. It just plays out differently and with much bigger effects. And I think, yeah, if I had to get down to it, I think Terminator 2, even the practical stunts, they're just better. Um, there are cool things to note from one, though, that were amazing. And that is the two action sequences, which are seriously awesome. 
that's the car chase scene through downtown LA in that alley. And then obviously when the Terminator shows up at the uh, police department, it's still just as thrilling when you watch it today. Like, I mean, even myself, you know, you see the guy that's like hiding under the desk and this, obviously the Terminator is like an unstoppable machine. He's an unstoppable force. So like, you know, it's kind of like when you watch movies and it's everybody's like firing their guns at this thing that like can't be destroyed. You're like, dude, stop firing the gun and run. Like get out of there. <laughs> yeah. And even the cops, you know, to a certain degree after all of them are getting slaughtered, realizing that like, I don't know who this is, but our guns are not going to take him yeah. down. It's yeah. like, get out of there. No, absolutely. For me, the thing that I take away when I watch Terminator 1, which I don't get when I watch Terminator 2, is the fact that as a filmmaker, Terminator 1 is so inspiring because sure. it's it's what you and I always talk about. Yeah. It's this really high concept science fiction film at an executable level where you're like, yeah, I know where those locations were shot. If you had the money, you know, you can you can make this amazing futuristic mind-bending story on a budget. Whereas Terminator 2 is in many ways uh, intimidating as a filmmaker because I watch it and I'm like, oh my gosh, this is everything about this movie is so damn good. It still holds up, looks really great. The practical effects of when Arnold rips off the skin on his hand, even when LA gets decimated, when, you know, the uh, Judgment Day actually happens. Even though I think those effects may technically be a little dated, they're, they're really creepy. Uh, this is almost a reference like you and I talked about Raiders of the Lost Ark, where the effects, sure, they may look a little dated, but they're actually really well shocking in a way that mm-hmm. it, it's almost jarring to think like, imagine if you were standing there on that fence watching, you know, this explosion happen and you get turned to dust or yeah. your, your yeah. skeleton. Yeah. You can't help but think like, oh my gosh, I hope I'm not there because I do live in Los Angeles. So <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Thankfully, I think Judgment Day has technically already passed. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, it was like, what, in 97? Yeah, something like that. Yeah. So I'll, I think I'm good. I don't know. We could still wait for the well, singularity, right? And I, I guess something to think about too, in terms of, you know, going back to the early conversation about kind of cultural impact, it actually is kind of mind blowing. And I think really in Terminator 2, you see this Cameron's awareness about and wariness of AI because the conversation that he's having with the viewer is the conversation that policymakers in Washington are having right now and have been having for the last 10 years. Yeah. Um, which is kind of crazy to think that in 91, he was imagining things that are, you know, happening to this day. And in some ways, almost in the eerily creepy fashion that he talks about. Yeah, I mean, it is, you know, a bit of a cautionary tale when it comes to technology and not necessarily how technology will be used, but how technology will evolve. Yes. And I think that's, and that's the relevance to this as opposed to other science fiction films is that evolution of technology is something we're constantly dealing with, not just evil people getting a hold of it and doing bad things. Right. Yeah. And I think that's where the cautionary element comes with Cyberdyne, uh, with Judgment Day and Skynet in particular, mm-hmm. right? Because the Terminators themselves appear to be somewhat, you know, mindless, you know, kind of warriors for Skynet as it's, you know, attempting to take over Earth and the human race. So mm-hmm. I don't know. It's interesting because you actually get the, the dynamic through Arnold Schwarzenegger's character, which is what are James Cameron's thoughts on this evolution of technology? And I think it shows right in the films, right? In one, Arnold is the bad guy. But in two, he subverts our expectations and makes Arnold the good guy. A guy so good that the kid doesn't even want him to leave at the end. You know, originally the same looking Terminator was the one to come back and kill his mom. And he leaves Terminator 2 on a much more hopeful message for humanity overall. That Mm -hmm. these machines do not have to be evil. They don't have to be. They might be. Yep. But, you know, 
obviously I love, you know, I, there's so many good lines in Terminator 2, but you know, when he's talking to John, when he's leaving, he's like, you know, he like wipes his tear away and he's like, I know now why you cry, but it is something I can never do. And then the music hits and it's like, dun, dun, dun. And he like lowers himself down and he's like, this is just how it has to be. Because if I'm here, someone will always use this knowledge to further push that evolution. He's like, I got to go. Well, okay. so, so so we're talking about themes. So naturally, this is going to make me wonder about story. When you compare the stories of the two, though they're similar, break it down. Which one do you think is better? It's funny you say that because I actually saw a video where James Cameron is talking about one. And he actually described Terminator 1 as star-crossed lovers with shotguns. <laughs> And it was funny because when he said this quote, it, it actually uses footage from the movie of them seeing each other across the bar. Yeah. And then like, he's like, so it's actually, he's like, it's kind of a love story with like some action added in. And like you said, I think James Cameron in the first one is really kind of messing around with that paradox and exploring this kind of time travel where two goes much more into action and a little bit more kind of like sci-fi, you know, building the world out a little bit more. Which one of those do I think is the more powerful story? Um, I find two to be more hopeful. Interesting. Okay. Okay. Um, I think part of it is just the ending of one kind of turns into a little bit of like, I kind of like a horror slasher flick, like at like a factory and she's just, you know, trying to escape. And it doesn't necessarily like, I know we know that, right. She's pregnant and she's going to have John. And that's kind of the hopeful ending to one is that the Terminator failed to kill her human life will go on but I really like the message of two which is Cameron playing much more around with his vision for how this technology will evolve Mm -hmm. the human spirit I'm not necessarily worried so much about the human spirit I know you know people will push hard and endure but I really appreciated the message and you know me like you know I you and I write screenplays like I've loved artificial intelligence and all this, you know, been playing around with it. But I really love in two, the message that he sends that it's like, hey, you know, this technology could end up the, you know, species ending, you know, war warriors that is predicted, but they could end up reprogrammed and good and used in a in a hopeful way and a selfless way. Okay, that's interesting. That's, that's good. Um, I agree with you in the sense that I think the story's better in two, but for slightly different reasons. First of all, I do love the tone of the first one, how he's adopting kind of this horror thriller mentality. I mean, essentially, um, the Terminator is the ultimate version of Jason or Michael Myers. Or right. Whoever. Um, the second one, though, while he's toned down the horror and really kind of embraced the, you know, the the pop culture aspect of it, you know, it's this fun movie with motorcycle chases and kids in arcades. And um, I think the story, when I look at it, is more complete in two. And it's really when you look at the character of Sarah. In two, Cameron gives her multiple opportunities and he, to, to evolve as a character, and she takes them. And the biggest thing being the fact that he presents her with this paradox. She loves her son. She hates the Terminator. Now he gives her a Terminator who is guarding her son. Can she overcome her presidents? And it always bothered me that the theatrical cut actually cuts out that scene from the director's cut where they cut open Arnold and reset the CPU, because I think that's the most powerful moment for yeah, she has character, a chance to end it right there. Where she can say, I'm done, Terminator destroyed, like on to the next problem. But instead, she, you know, grows as a person and, and, and decides to put trust in this thing that she's hated her, her entire life. It has cost her so much in terms of her relationship with her son, her own freedom. But she's Why embraced. Do you think that was cut. 
do you think it's because it was too early in the movie? Maybe. I mean, I, you know, they cut so much because of runtime. Um, even then, like, right, there's other scenes in that one with her, with her relationship with Reese kind of propelling her forward. Um, I don't know, because I think it's so powerful as a character. And the only other opportunities that we see her make those choices are when she decides to go after the programmer, mm -hmm. right? And what's, what's important about that is unlike the first Terminator movie where they're pretty much running the whole time, this is where the moment where they decide, fine, let's go on the offensive. Right. Right. Let's, let's hit Skynet before Skynet has a chance to know what's coming to it. And it, it kind of, you know, at that moment that the movie takes that separate course and we see the growth of Sarah in the second film that I don't think we really see in the first. I like that a lot. And, it, you know, it's interesting, too, because going back to that kind of like slasher mentality in the first one, I feel like most of the time she is running um, and she's not really the person with a ton of agency. Uh, her motivation is just fear. Someone's trying to kill her. And Reese is forcing her to. <laughs> right. So he's like, you know, we have to go and this and that. You know, what's interesting about the first one is, you know, when you get to the love scene and all of that, knowing that Reese knows this is yeah. why he's here. But you can tell he has truly fallen for her and whether or not he's accepting that as like destiny or fate, right? They kind of acknowledge directly in the second one when she says there is no fate, but what will you make or whatever it is, you know, do you know mm -hmm. the line? Yeah, 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 there's no fake, but what we make of our own, like that whole, yeah, the features right? are set in stone, that whole little monologue that they do. So I think that really is, I love the evolution of that because obviously Reese comes back in the first one and we're led to believe that, right, this is fate. He is there. He has to do this to fulfill John coming to life. But you find out that it's not, fate or destiny it's love he really did love her mm -hmm. and they both acknowledge that you know we could have chosen not to do that yeah. and i think that's a theme that runs through both terminator movies as well is that you know it's the choices we make that will ultimately uh decide our future ah oh, perfect i think that's exactly what cameron was saying and it's like you know it's like you called him up and had a conversation with him i wish i did call him. yeah i wish i did call him up during the show so, all right, now I got to ask you, man, if you had to pick between Terminator 1 or Terminator 2, which one did it better? Oh, it's tough. That is tough. <laughs> I know. Um, That's why I'm making you go first. I think with the cultural relevance, you know, minus some effects, I, I feel inclined to lean towards one. <laughs> okay. Um, I think it, it started so many things. It's such a great sci-fi time travel movie you know in cameron's words a uh, great love story with shotguns <laughs> um but i mean there's just no denying that the action and the effects and all of that are better too i mean it's that's you know somewhat undeniable but i really did enjoy terminator one a lot especially upon rewatch so i think for the you know i'm gonna have to go with my gut here and go with terminator one okay all right that's that's kind of what i expected you to say but it's close. I mean, they're both awesome. I feel it's close too, but I'm actually going to go Terminator 2. And my reasoning is, uh, I just feel like, you know, and Cameron's hinted at this and outright said it many times, Terminator 2 is the movie he wanted to make. At, yep. You know, in 84, he didn't have the budget. He didn't have the technology to make Terminator 2. So by the time that he had both of those resources, 
he makes it. He also, and, he also yeah. developed as a filmmaker oh, by totally. the time he gets to two. So, it, you know, where one's his first movie, it, you can feel it. It's a little bit more rough. It has, you know, a little bit more of a cult following where I think even to this day, if you say Terminator, everyone thinks of Terminator 2. Mm-hmm. No. Hands uh, down. You're totally right. And I think that, you know, um, kind of in the same way that we talked about you know, in, in previous episodes of, of, of our show about, you know, you can see a filmmaker's heart in a film. I think you can really see James Cameron, you know, on the screen when you're watching Terminator 2. So much so that even like, I don't think it's a coincidence that there's all these, uh, you know, two or three epic chase scenes involving semi-trucks, right? The former truck driver is going to yeah. make the movies yeah. where trucks are, are running people over. And it's just so fun. And as I said, the fact that I can still watch it today and I get as excited and blown away by the visual effects as I did when I was a kid, I just have to go with Terminator 2. Can't follow you for that one. I did want to ask you before we uh, you know, wrap up the episode, did you ever go on the Terminator like ride show at Universal? Uh, yeah, I did. That I did. was amazing. It was I mean, cool. I'm almost sad they got rid of it. I think they got rid of it out here to make room for like Harry Potter to land or something. Probably. But I'm like, oh my gosh, that ride was amazing. Like they literally have you waiting inside like Cyberdyne yep. and they made like those, those videos from like Cyberdyne uh, engineers and scientists. Yeah, and yeah. then like Skynet like comes alive and it's like, boo, boo, boo. Yep, yeah. And you like go into that room and then like they had the 3D effects and then the live actors, it was amazing. But so, uh, question I have for you before we go and I'd like yeah. our, our audience to, you know, let us know the thoughts as well. Now, why do you think, and I'm going to be very blunt and harsh when I say this, that the other four Terminator movies suck? You know, I don't, I haven't even seen them all. Um, but I, I think the problem is what we just talked about with story. Cameron has something really powerful to say about technology and the human conditions, and he's doing it through sci fi. And I think the other ones just go, like sci-fi so not to say that they're missing heart but i think when a filmmaker has something really powerful to say that's what we take away from those stories and like you said the writing is really strong right like sarah connor in two literally is protecting her son and hates the terminator based on one and then what does cameron do bring them together yep you know you know that's going to be fireworks yeah, I would I would say it's that that messaging that Cameron's obviously having a lot of fun with the sci-fi elements and this and that, but at the heart of those movies, he has something to say about where we're headed, what we're doing. Like, hey, uh, we can be better. Dude, well said. And I think that's the probably as good an answer as anyone can give you. Um, I figured it was just going to be simply that Cameron didn't make the other four, but uh, you put a lot more depth into it than I was expecting. So. I don't know. Yeah, it, it's you hit hard the to say. listen. You hit the the nail on the head, man. That's it. He there's something that he had to say as opposed to let's just make another Terminator movie. The other thing, and we talked about this with Raiders of the Lost Ark, is there's also something to be said about this kind of fantastical sci-fi world that he's creating, but is telling through so many practical effects and stunts. If you watch some of the later Terminator movies, it's like they do like incredibly fantastic things. Like I think in the newest one, like they're literally like in a plane that's falling out of a sky, out of the sky. 
but it doesn't have any of the weight of, you know, a semi truck chasing a kid down, you know, an LA river, Mm -hmm. you know, a guy jumping from a pickup truck to a semi truck and yeah, blowing it. Yeah. Like there's something about this kind of like overarching sci-fi-ness that gets reduced down to these practical stunts. And if you go too far the other way and you start making it the Fast and the Furious franchise, um, I think you lose some of those subtle moments in the action sequences. Like when the Terminator comes up behind John on the motorcycle and he jumps off onto the Terminators and the truck runs over the motorcycle. Oh, yeah. I mean, you're like, John was literally like seconds away from being under there. Yeah. You know, or crazy things like little details where like, you know, they're leaving the uh, psych ward and, and the T-1000's arm is like stuck and John just picks it up. It's like a physical thing and he yeah. throws it and then it rejoins him. And yeah. you're like, that was cool. Yeah. That was cool. Yeah. And they don't, they don't do a lot of that later and maybe to their detriment. Fair enough. I mean, Hey, audience, obviously we don't have all the answers at the show. Uh, we just may think we do. So what do you think? I mean, is he right? Why do the other Terminator movies not hold really a candle to the first two? And which of them do you like better? Let us know. That's why we're here. We're having a conversation. Yeah, I, I really enjoyed this episode. And like I said, unlike, you know, I know a lot of the, you know, movie remake times, uh, the answer may be obvious, you know, which one did it better. But in this one, it was a lot of fun because I got to watch two of my favorite movies and give it some real thought. Cause I was like, Ooh, I, you know, it's like, I was super amped when I watched one. And then after I got done with two, I was like, I mean, <laughs> right. Like it is hard to pick. And, and I was dreading this episode for that reason, because they're both so good. Now, next week we are going to be watching the 1999 mummy with Brandon Frazier and the reboot from Universal from 2017 Tom with Tom Cruise. We'll hope you'll watch along with us and listen to us talk about who did it better. You know what? I'm actually excited for this one because I have seen the original Mummy, but not the remake. So this is oh, the first. Oh, interesting. I obviously yeah, have seen I'll both. I'll be seeing a movie for the first time. Okay. So. All right. Now I'm really curious to know your thoughts because you don't know what's, what's, what's coming. I can't say ahead of time. Yeah, I don't know. Wow. All right. Well, no, that's exciting. Um, so definitely audience, watch along with us and we will do our best to get back to live tweeting to let you know when we're going to be on and what we're going to be watching and our thoughts as we check out the movie. You can always check us out at Filmmakers Compass Podcast. Instagram. Yeah, we're on YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. And if you look up the handle, it's at Film Comp Podcast. And like Christian said, you can go to Google, type in Filmmakers Compass Podcast. Our website will come up. Everything will be there. And be sure, like he said, to follow along. I'm at Big Kid D Man. He's at NDCal5. And you can find us on all those social channels as well. We really appreciate you guys tuning in. Thank you for listening. Be sure to uh, leave us your thoughts. Let us know who did it better. And we look forward to uh, next week's episode. See you next week.